listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. We have a really special guest today that I'm kind of really excited about interviewing because we have a lot in common, and I think there's a tremendous amount to learn from. We have the original W2 capitalist, Jay Helms. <laughs> Jay, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. Thank you for the introduction. The original W2 capitalist. I, I like it. <laughs> so Funny. I'm really excited about interviewing Jay today because he has a little bit of different spin. You know, we've done a lot of interviews lately with these really high-level guys that are just you know, multi-hundred million dollar real estate syndicators. And, and some of the feedback we've gotten from some of our listeners is that they have a hard time identifying with them because they're so far out of reach. And Jay is doing something similar to what myself and, and a few of the other you are doing. And he's just doing it a little better and a little further along. He's got a, a stable W-2 job that he likes and enjoys and he invests on the side and really embraces it as a side hustle. So I have a ton of questions about kind of how he balances, how he, you know, executes all that. So we're really pumped to have him. The first question we usually kick the program off with is just why should we listen to you? Can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about, you know, what your portfolio looks like today, what you've accomplished and, and just yeah. a brief overview? Absolutely. So one of the things that you should not listen to me on is how to brag about yourself because <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you use the video or not, but I don't do compliments very well. So I'm sitting here thinking, man, that was a good compliment. I really appreciate that. So, but so we started and when I say we, my wife is an integral part about this. We we're joking earlier before you hit the record button about how our wives are, it's amazing how they can kind of sit back in the shadows, but they're the real boss. And, and yeah. I don't know about for you, but when I, when I'm grinding on an issue for a couple of days and then I can go to my wife and explain to her situation and like instantly she tells me the most perfect answer. Right. It annoys me <laughs> to do that, but I'm, I love having her in my corner. So my wife and I, we started this venture uh, in 2014, bought our first single family home. It was a $23,000 purchase. It was a foreclosure. And so I'm going to make it short. So we fast forward to today, just a quick five years later, we're almost six now. And we've got 320 plus, and I say plus because I screw the math up all the time, but it's 320 plus doors in our portfolio. Right? Man, that, you're, you're moving fast. I listened to your Jake and Gino interview the other day. And at the beginning of the interview, you had 50 yeah. and by the end you had 150. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and that was the thing, you know, Jake said, Hey, he's got 47 doors. I was like, where did he get that information from? Cause I didn't give it to him. You know, you didn't update and, your website. And then, I know. And then I was like, and he called me out and he goes, man, I thought I did my research. I looked on your website and I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> I gotta go, I gotta fix that. So, but yeah, it's, and you hear these big numbers, right? And so my disclaimer is that there's out of that 320, we own five of those, my wife and own five of those. The rest of the portfolio is apartment syndications where okay. we have a small percentage of the deal, but they're is, professionally what? managed. They're professionally handled by somebody else. And as W2 folks like me and you, and I really got a good taste of this last year, what people call passive income. And I have a whole problem with calling it truly passive investing, but people who do more passive income like that, last year really opened my eyes to get in with these bigger syndications. So um, when you say, what was it, 329? 
I said 320 plus because I forget how to do the math sometimes. <laughs> are, are, are these like syndications you put together or you just put money into somebody else's deal? So there's three syndications out of that. One of them I put together. The other two I put money into somebody else's deal. Okay. So what does that look like from a, like an equity standpoint when you were in? Like how much of the deal you had that you put together? Like how much do y'all own? How, how large yeah. is it? And then like, what are the numbers look like on those passive investments? Cause I appreciate you being honest and breaking it down like that. Yeah. Cause a lot of people get on here. I own 2000 units. It's like, well, you, you put, you really don't <laughs> 10, 10 grand into five different people's deals. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's a couple of things, right? So the questions you were, how much equity, right? Mm-hmm. Do we have in the deal? So the one that I put together, it's a 42 unit. And I've got about 15% ownership into that equity into that one. The other two, very small. It is a very small deal. One of them is 107 units. It was a $5 million purchase price and I'm putting in like 50 grand. Okay. Or 25 grand, I think was on that one. The next one was a 172 units. Mm-hmm. Purchase price was 18 million and I'm putting in 50 grand. Very small, but I did that for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, I saw, I don't know, maybe I've been drinking the multifamily Kool-Aid for way too long. It's it's easy to get, it's easy to get hooked. (laughs) It is. But you know, if I want to go like that one deal that I helped put together, I did it with a couple of guys in our local RIA. And where are you? Where are you? I'm in Pensacola, Florida. Yeah. I saw on your Facebook that you were hating on Saban in Alabama and that was enough to get you on the show right there. <laughs> so, uh, born and raised in Alabama. Luckily my parents raised me as an Auburn fan. So yeah, anytime I can pick and poke at Alabama fans, I will. <laughs> Which by the way, you know, he figured out how to get to the national championship game anyway. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. So on those bigger deals, I, I wanted to, you know, it's a hustle and a grind to put together one of these syndications mm-hmm. and then everything that goes through with that. Right. So from managing the property manager to updating investors and whatnot and why I like that, I've been watching these guys and getting to know these guys who are doing much bigger deals. So last year I was like, okay, we've got some cash. Let's tap into these guys who have a really good run record. Right. And who are doing some amazing things and have these, come on these shows and talk about what well, we've got 5,000 doors or 6,000 doors. Now they're not all theirs. Right. Right. But they're doing something right. So I, for two reasons, number one, I wanted to more passive because you were just talking about how you just had your first kid. We just had our third. Right. So yeah. things are getting a little hectic again. Kudos to my wife. <laughs> right. Things are getting a little hectic. I changed jobs last year for the better. And then, so Time is one of those things where I don't have a whole lot of. So I was struggling to find deals in, in Pensacola anyway. Pensacola is a really hot market at the time we're recording this. Has been for a while. Matter of fact, I got so frustrated of looking for deals and seeing things pop up on the market. I finally told my realtor, I was like, I had a duplex. I said, hey, just put this duplex on the market. This is what I want for it. I don't, don't even bring me an offer or anything less. And it was it was way above what I bought it for the three years before. Right. So I bought it for 90. We listed it for 170. Oh yeah. You got to take that. <laughs> well, so three months later he brings me an offer for 172 and I was like, 
done. So that's where a lot of that cash came from for us. Yeah. To invest. So, but yeah, I, I wanted to tap into those guys to get a little bit more exposure to those big players, understand how they operate, understand how they work, and to be able to take that knowledge. And once the market's cool down or I find a deal that now I can be a general partner on, I can take that knowledge and use it. So it was almost like, all right, I'm going to put this money in. Investing yeah, in your experience and knowledge. Yes. But so far, they are turning out to be really good investments. Awesome. We're getting, on one of them, we get monthly dividend checks. On the How other. much are the dividend checks? Right now, it's about a 10% return. Oh, cool. On both of those. What yep. are the business plans on, on those operations? Is it like a refinance and keep the equity type of situation? Or is it like a five-year value-add sell plan? Or? So uh, a little bit of both. Both properties have some value-add opportunities, but it is, you know, you put money into the deal. They're all very similar, so I'll try to generalize, but you put your money in the deal with the ex- expectation that you're going to get, you're going to have your money in it for five years. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, it'll either refinance to give us our money back and then our initial investment back, and then we will continue to, to receive those dividend checks. Or, depending on market conditions, they may sell the property and give us a huge chunk of cash, right? Both of them are very similar in the expected return, right? So what is the target? So on the, it's 8% preferred. Mm -hmm. And these, when they get into these bigger deals, they get a little bit more structured, right? And they have to just because of the amount of money they're dealing with. But you're looking at an 8% preferred return, meaning if you're a guy like me who would just put money into the deal, that I get paid first before the general partners get paid. And then after that, there's some sort of split, right? Mm -hmm. So projections and preferred, hear me on this, preferred does not mean guaranteed. Right. Right. So, and then after that, there is some sort of split between the limited partners and the general partners to where it's going to come out to be about 10 to 12% return on your money. Okay. Yeah. So are you learning everything that you had anticipated by investing with them? Or are they bringing you in and holding your hand as much as you kind of thought they would? No, and they're not. But anytime I have a question, I can tap into the people who sponsored the deal and ask them, right? And say, hey, but the biggest thing for me is to learn how they operate, right? These guys are extremely professional in what they do, right? And back up a little bit. I had a guy this past week who text me on Facebook and said, Hey, I've been looking to get into this syndication thing. Who do you recommend that I invest with? And I was like, my response was, who do you have a relationship with? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, there are plenty of people out there that'll just take your money. I said, and, sure. and there are plenty of people that I could recommend, but you don't know them. I do. Right. Yeah. So I haven't invested with anybody that I don't have at least a six months relationship. It's not one of these things where it's okay. I had one call with them six right. months later, I had another call with them. Like there is some consistency, you know, you just get to know the person, right. And you yeah. kind of get a feel of all right, our goals align, our morals align, our ethics align. Yes. I'm okay with giving you my money now. Right. Sure. So that's my answer to that question is, know who you're and have a relationship with. Yeah. Right? I think most of them, especially the bigger guys, they kind of got a machine to convert you into like qualified investors. You know, they'll have a, a few calls. All right. We know each other. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and there are some things when you get into the SEC regulations, if it's depending on the deal structured and whatnot. So I'm not an accredited investor, right? Mm-hmm. No, I back up. 
this year we will be. <laughs> it depends on how you read the rule. And I'm not very, we've been close enough to where if the question's asked and I'd just say yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. When those B offerings, you can, you can self-proclaim, right? B offerings you can self-proclaim and the, and the, the B offerings you also, you can get so many investors that are not accredited, cool. right? So, uh, you, yeah. Yeah. I forget the terminology right now, but there is a term for it. Sophisticated. That, right, that's right. So you can have so many sophisticated investors, but yeah, on the 50, is it 5061C or 5063C, mm. you do have to prove that you meet right. the criteria for a third party validation and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't invested in any of those deals yet, which is also ultimately important to know who you're investing with. Right. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit. I want to kind of, kind of go back to the beginning. Why, what's your day job? What do you spend most of your time doing? And then yeah. what, how did you get like interested in real estate and why did you, you know, for, for me, at one point I was going to be the the CEO of my company, you know, and that was my, <laughs> like, that was like my driving force in life. And then like I saw some people like lose their jobs and it was just catastrophic life event. And, and I, I didn't like the lack of control and I read rich dad, poor dad, and I got into financial independence and cash flow. And I said, oh, that's kind of what led me down this rabbit hole. So what is it that, that got you, got you interested? And then how did you get started? And then kind of go on as to like, what led you down this this path to syndication? Why didn't you just keep doing what you were doing? Yeah, so you pretty much told my story, right? So you it's a common I, one. It's it a common is. One. It is. So, which led to the formation of the W two capitalist, right? Is is that? Let me back up. We got hooked on real estate investing, like a lot of folks did, just through watching HGTV. Right. Okay. We started out, Hey, we're going to do flipping. We're like, no, that's not, that's not us. We're not, yeah. we're not that sexy. We're not that cool. We're, yeah. We just want to, I skipped yeah. that step myself. Uh, good. <laughs> good for you. And we did too. We, you know, we had a live and flip that we did. I like to refer to it as our false start, but yeah, you know, very similar story to yours. You know, I had dreams and aspirations before I really knew anything about how the world worked or anything like that of, of becoming a, VP one day. I don't know if I've ever like president or CEO material of a, of a company, but you know, climbing the corporate ladder is, is one of those things. It's, it's a lot harder than the American dream makes it out to be. Right. What I noticed also is it's a lot less glamorous. Yes. It's not as, I know these guys and they, they don't have the best work life balance and I'm I'm sure their blood pressure is out of control. (laughs) Like, I think that's a pretty good general across the board. Now there's always exceptions, right? And I don't think I answered, what do I do? So I'm, I'm a sales manager for a cybersecurity company. I'm a sales manager for a telecom company, so I'm sure. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some overlap. overlap. <laughs> Again, I think you're telling my story over there, so it's, it's awesome. Or I'm telling yours, either way. But, yeah, so I'm like you. You know, I went through, I started my W2 career at a startup, and we went through a couple rounds of acquisitions. Promises were made that weren't necessarily kept, and, you know, as I tried to correct those, it just really opened my eyes to – all right, your, my financial goals and success, I wasn't really getting anywhere. I felt like a hamster in a hamster wheel. Sure. Trying, you know, chasing my financial goals just by doing the W-2 stuff. 
very much like your story. I found Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and it really slapped me in the face because we were about six months pregnant with our, our first son. And, you know, I don't know if you remember, you don't remember anything right now because you're, <laughs> you're that early and that sleep deprived. But trust me, it all comes back to you here in probably a couple more months when the baby starts sleeping through the night. It does. <laughs> it does. But I remember reading that book and thinking, just tackling it with a different mindset. Hey, I've got another person coming. You know, we're going to have to think about all the stuff that comes with those emotions of, of taking care and providing for a child. And it just slapped me. I was like, I need to accept that I'm not climbing the corporate ladder as fast as I want to. It's not going to happen. It's not going to get there. What can I do? Insert rich dad, poor dad. I was like, okay, let's, we've always been interested in it. Let's figure out the best Avenue for us. And so that first property that we bought, it was a one bedroom, one bath house, 600 square feet. We paid 23,000 for it. And it's about another 9,000 in renovations. And it rented the day one it was ready for $600 a month. And I was like, okay, that's enough for me to get going. So to answer, I think the second part of your question is why now multifamily? And you'll hear these, I think, again, I, I was been drinking the multifamily Kool-Aid, right? I think there's a lot of benefit in multifamily. You do spread your costs and your expenses and everything over multiple doors and you get in these bigger syndications and it's not just you, right? You've got some partners in the deal that if for some reason something comes up, you've got them to rely on. But the other biggest thing is time, right? And jokingly about, you know, what is passive income discussing that before, but having kids, having a wife and wanting to be present there for that, I realize, okay, I can't, I'm not a flipper, right? I'm not a wholesaler. It's just not in my personality. Sure. How do I leverage what we've got going to, to get multiple doors? And I'm telling you, man, I'm really digging this passive side, limited partner side of, of multifamily. And, and it's, um, but all that being said, after our first 10 acquisitions, I'm having conversations with guys that I've known for, you know, decades and they're just not getting it. You know, like, how do you, how do y'all see what we're doing? How do you not get it? You know, and a couple of them did, a couple of them didn't actually, one of them is a partner with us in, in one of our apartment syndications. And, you know, I was like, okay, they don't get it yet. They will, but how do I help other people because the conversations with them and coworkers was the same. Like you and I were just talking about, Hey, we're not hitting our financial goals fast enough. How do we do this differently? Right. And I'm saying, well, here's real estate investing. They're like, no, nah, I don't want to do that. And that's how the W2 capitalist was born. Right. I finally accepted that not everybody can be a CEO, not everybody can be a VP and get the perks and benefits that come with that, let alone the, the high blood pressure and whatnot. <laughs> but one of the, the other thing, and I don't, I want to make sure I mention this is as you, and I don't know if you've felt this way too, but as your portfolio grows and you start seeing those financial goals and that financial success happen, your stress at your W2 yeah. starts withering away. Right. right? And, and where most people turn to, okay, now I got to go faster. Now I've got to figure out how I can retire early and live in mom's basement or whatever their goals are is, and yes, I'm, that's a jab at the <laughs> fire movement. But anyway, my thought process was how do I keep doubling down? Now I can truly focus on my W2 job. Yeah, I can be a happy employee. I can be a productive employee. 
Yeah, um, no, I feel that a hundred percent. I always yeah. say like, and I think Robert Kiyosaki even talked about it in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, how you would think, you know, focusing on this real estate investing would make me a crappy employee, but actually I sold twice as much. And I absolutely saw the same thing because I was, when I, like the more I dove into my investing and wanted to get more money to buy more properties, the harder I worked at my W2 job so I yep. could get more down payments quicker. That's it. And, and, you know, also with that, I felt less stress because, you know, if something went wrong, I freaked out every minute, you know, when things were going wrong, when that right. was my only safety net. But now that I have cash flow from my real estate, like if I did lose my job unexpectedly, like I could still pay my bills. It's not the end of the world. So I, I right. don't. I don't have that same like freak out every time something yep. goes just a little bit wrong. Yeah. Your W2 is the engine for the car, right? And you got to keep feeding it. You got to keep getting that W2 paycheck to get that money for your next investment. Now, eventually, at least our plan eventually, and I have no idea when this is going to happen, but eventually I'm fully believe there'll be a time in my life where I say, okay, I still enjoyed the W2, but would I be able to now, focus on other stuff, help other people and help and be more present for my family. Right. That conversation is coming. It's probably a few years away, but that, that conversation is coming. Right. No, absolutely. But yeah, I've, I've evaluated that a lot. A lot of people have asked me, you know, a lot of times, especially in, in the big multifamily syndication world, they'll, they'll push you to, to go full time. Yeah. But, I'm really to the point where I believe like the best thing I can do for my real estate investing business is to keep pumping in all this W2 money. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And again, you know, my W2, I I love doing it. I've got a team. I'm a little bit older and kind of how you did the introduction a little bit further down the path than they are. And, you know, yesterday we were talking about uh, how to calculate your net worth. Yeah. None of them had ever done it before. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's what we're going to do. Here's the formula. We're going to use the millionaire next door formula. Here's the spreadsheet that I use to track my network's growth. You know, I can't necessarily make it part of, of work because it's not a work thing, but, and every one of them well, is receptive to it. You know, I've, I've had those conversations a lot with my team and I don't really do it in like a team meeting setting, but more on a one-on-one. And I, again, I feel like that helps the W2 side of it because it, it, it helps the employees know that I care. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they'll get discouraged and giving them focus or something to work towards. They're like, Hey, this is why it's really important that you hit your sales goals so that you can, you know, keep this The more they understand yeah. that it's only better for, for, you know, the day job as well. Absolutely. So do you still manage the properties you do have? No, we did that very early on. So that very first property, we, we managed it for a year and a half and we were blessed with a really good tenant. She was amazing. A really good introduction for us to, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, to that, that world. But, you know, after that, when she left, you know, my wife and I sat down and said, look, you know, we're talking about, we outsource this. We're talking about max 10%. Is it worth 10% of our, you know, income to not have to just worry about it? And we just, we came to the decision, yes. You know, and it just, again, the stress factor of what if they called now, right? Right. I'm out of town. 
what if something else were to happen? And we had some systems in place that really didn't, it didn't really matter, but there was always that what if, right? Right. And now my what if is, is do I get a communication from a property manager saying, hey, this needs to be fixed? Okay. You know, that's a lot easier to deal with (laughs) than having to worry about everything else that goes along with it. So yeah, no, we we 100% professional property management across the board. Awesome. The other thing I think we talked about it before we started hitting record, but I wanted to share it with the team. So you have your podcast, W2 Capitalist, and you have this large, you know, following. You've done a great job with all your media and social media. Have you seen, and, and you have a mastermind too? Yes. Have you seen that the types of benefits that, that you're looking for from that type of exposure? Are you getting what you wanted to out of that? Yes and no. You know, as we were talking before, we, as sales guys, we always want a little more, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll touch on the mastermind piece. First of all, can you explain why you started the mastermind and what you... What yeah, you yeah, yeah. That's a great, great question. So I encourage everybody to go to their local... RIA meetups, right? It's a great place to network. It's a great place to get in, involved with whatnot because that essentially is what a mastermind is. You're paying to go be around like-minded people or whatnot, and there's usually a speaker. So as we continue to have kids, <laughs> I truly value my time with them. So while I, I'm a member of our local RIA here, I do very little in participation. Doesn't mean that the value is not there. It's just I value my time with them, right? So let me paint the picture here for you. If I were to go to a local our local RIA meetup, now granted it's once a month, right? But I would leave straight from work, sure, to go to that, and I probably wouldn't get home till nine or ten o'clock. Kids are already in bed, so there's a whole day where I don't get to see them. Yeah, and I'm also introverted right? Is that you put me in a crowd, I shut down pretty quickly. Now behind a computer and a microphone, I'm very comfortable, but you put me in a crowd and I'm going to be the guy that's hanging out in the corner, hoping nobody talks to me, you know? So, and us being in the technology industry, I was like, okay, there's got to be a way that I can meet people and host a meetup without physically having to go there and being in an environment that I'm extremely comfortable with. So, Thus, the mastermind was born, right? So right now, you know, we have calls. It's funny because I started it to help spend more time with my family. (laughs) But now it's kind of blown up to this thing where we have a call once a week. Now it's a rotating schedule every other week just to help with people's work-life balance as you were talking. But we had our Tuesday night call just a couple of days ago. Calls typically go an hour, an hour and a half. We had so much good content on there that it went for two and a half hours. And I'm not saying that. So in the structure of the call is we meet in zoom just like this. And there's a virtual room of people. We go around, everybody gets 15 or 20 minutes to talk about what they have going on. Every person ends their session with saying uh, what they want to be held accountable for to accomplish in the next couple of weeks. And then an update on what they were supposed to accomplish since the last call. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because there's people from all over in it, yeah. right? To see this group of, of folks come together and the best calls happen when I have my turn and then I sit back and everybody else just dives in, you know, sure. it's, it's pretty incredible. But that's, you know, the purpose, 
the reason why I created it was one to help with my introvert personality, which I think I'm slowly growing out of, but it's still, you put me in a crowd of people, man. I, I just, I shut down for whatever reason. I'm sure there's some psychological yeah. thing that happened to me when I was a kid or whatever, <laughs> but there was that. And then also just the value of the time that I spend with my kids. You know, I can do this from here. I don't know if you can hear them, but they're, they're up and going now. And <laughs> if there's something that sounds like a small pterodactyl screaming in the background, that's, <laughs> That's Stella. She's, yeah. <laughs> she's up. But yeah, it, it was all about how do I maximize my time, but also have a similar experience, right? Awesome. And the podcast itself has opened up so many doors for me. I have relationships I never even thought I would have, right? It's given me opportunities sure. to be on other people's podcasts that I never thought I'd be able to be on. And quite frankly, I was having these conversations anyway. Mm-hmm. The reason why I created the podcast was look, I'm having these conversations. Let's just record them in hopes that somebody will ask them. Right. And if you listen to my podcast, you'll know there is no script. There is no, it's me and whoever having a virtual cup of coffee talking about real estate. There's no structure to it whatsoever. Right. And it's sometimes it makes for a fun fun conversation, (laughs) but, but yeah, it's, I would say the return, I've got some pretty lofty goals now that I see, you know, the best thing that happens is I got a message the other day from one of our mastermind members talking about how his life has changed from just joining. Right. And I can't take all the credit because it's everybody in that group that has pushed him to do more. Right. And it's interesting to sit back and see how the groups kind of forming and creating its own culture. Because if you ever say like, Hey, this scares me to do this. You should probably do it. Well, you should probably do it, but you're, your challenge for that week, somebody's going to step up and say, okay, I challenge you to do that nice. before our next call. And it's, it's really cool to see that kind of cultivate and come together, which was the reason, right? It was the reason why I put it together is to help people in situations like you and I who are trying to climb the corporate ladder, finally have that aha moment of saying, okay, this is not it, but I don't want to be stuck in an eight to five job where I'm just grinding things out and grinding things out and yeah. not working for, for, Myself. financial goals. Yeah. 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 So, but that's, that's kind of it in a very big nutshell. Sorry. I kind of rambled on there a little bit. <laughs> no, that's great. So what I do have kind of structured questions that I usually go through, but I mean, we've gotten on so many great topics. I just had so many out of the box questions for you that we didn't even get to a lot of those. But one thing I, did you have any like highlights or lowlights you wanted to, you know, show real quick, talk about something that maybe went, did you have any deals that, that went real bust or did you have any like real, real big home runs you wanted to shout yeah. out real quick? So I'll give you the home run and then I'll, I'll give you a murder, uh, not murder story, but horrendous <laughs> story. So home run was the duplex that I mentioned before. You know, I don't even remember if we were recording it at that point. It's so early. Like, it's early. Yeah. <laughs> and I've, and I've had about this much of coffee. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's, and I did sleep in this morning, so don't tell yeah. anybody. But, um, you know, we, we bought this duplex. It's five minutes from our house. And I, that's very important because the point I want to make there is we never set foot in it. From the time we bought it to the time we sold it through the inspection period, we never set foot in that place. So the reason why that's super important is that opened my eyes to saying, okay, we can do long distance real estate. Right. You know, we can buy stuff that's not in our local market, not feeling like we have to drive by it check on things. We can do that and still make some good money, but we bought it for 90,000. We ended up selling it for 172. Sweet. 
the only thing that, well, not the only thing, it cash flowed from day one. The tenants that were in there got very blessed with us. The tenants that were in there when we bought the place were still in it when we sold it. Nice. Always paid on time. I mean, it was just a really good situation. How did you buy it? Did was it financed or? Yeah, it was financed. So we put twenty percent down. Got a traditional loan from a credit union. Yeah, thirty-year fix. Yep. Cool. Yep. And how much was it written for? It started when I bought it. It was at six hundred per door, mm-hmm. and then when we, by the time we sold it, I think we were up to six seventy-five per door. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah, that definitely uh, sounds like a home run. What's the murder story? So, well, it wasn't a murder story. It was is a horror story for sure, though. It was, uh, you know, as people are finding your way, and I still get this itch every now and then. This is kind of like my gambling fix, right? Is that I'll go on the sheriff's website and see what properties are going up for tax deed auction, and and so I found this one and I bought it. I'll make a long story short. I bought it for like seven grand. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't think anybody lived there because the property was in such disarray, right? Well, I drive by there one night and notice there's lights on. And it's in a part, you know, I I am physically scared to walk up to this property. Sure. It's not that it's in a bad neighborhood. It's just, you know, hey, what do I do? Hey, I knock on the door. Hey, I bought this property. <laughs> you know? So, and I'm a big guy, yeah. right? I'm six, two, almost two, well, almost two, four. I am over two, four. <laughs> so I call my lawyer and I say, Hey, here's the situation. <laughs> He's like, well, Hey, you should have called me before. I was like, I know, but here we're here now. Let's just focus on the present. Right. And he said, well, do this. He said, send a certified letter. Let me run a title check on it, which cost me like a hundred bucks. Well worth it found out so much more about the property <laughs> after the fact that I bought it. But he said, send a certified letter to who's living there. He said, first off, call the power company and ask them who's living there. Yeah. And they're not going to tell you, but they will be able to tell you if the power's turned on and if they're current. And I yeah. said, he said, it may be something that's just a weird situation or whatnot. I said, okay. So I did. And they're like, yeah, somebody's living there. So, I sent a certified letter, which means he has to sign for it. So I know they received it. And the letter said simply this, Hey, I bought this tax deed auction. Uh, now on the property, I see you've been living there for a while. I don't want to change anything up. I just want to get a return on my investment. Right. And I'd love to meet with you to talk about signing a lease agreement, blah, blah, blah. And also I've copied my lawyer on this email. So I got a call right away. Right. Went and met the guy, turned out to be probably the worst scum of the earth kind of guy. So this is over a a couple of months. He basically was stealing his mom's disability check to buy supplies to cook meth in the backyard. So needless to say, after two months, he was no longer current on rent. And I find out all this afterwards, right? So, so I go through the eviction process. Uh, they destroy the property. It was a mobile home with a block piece, a couple of block rooms around it. We just ended up demoing the whole thing right there yeah. because it was such in disarray. I mean, we had, we had probably it was seven or eight of those 30-yard dumpsters, rollaway dumpsters that we yeah. had to haul away crap. But we cleaned it up. So at this point in time, you know, now I'm, I'm getting an understanding fill the neighborhood and whatnot. And every time I'm over there, there's kids riding their bikes up and down the street. And I'm sitting here thinking, these freaking meth heads over here 
or supplier, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Now it's starting to weigh on me that what's the old saying Buy the worst property on the block. We right. did it, you know, yeah. but it gave us an opportunity to really improve that street. Mm-hmm. Right. You get the guy out. So we demoed the thing. We brought a new mobile home in, you know, just completely changed the street uh, of awesome. that property and put somebody in there. We've had a couple of tenant turnovers. We've got a really good one in there now. She's been there for almost two years. Things are great. We're still getting a return. It's not yeah. as impressive as a $7,000 purchase price, right. but yeah. I look back now thinking, what in the hell is I think was going to happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. But that's my horror story so far. But, awesome. Uh, but it does have a silver lining in the end. Yeah, yeah. No, it sounds like all's well that ends well. Yeah, yeah. So what advice do you have for anybody out there looking to get started? You may be stuck in their, in their W2 job, not meeting their financial goals, but a little reluctant to, you know, and, and I, we both, I'm sure, run into these people every day. Every day. And I'm, I'm as evangelical about it as you are. What advice do you have if they're, if they're listening? Yeah, so two things. Number one, figure out why. Why do you get up? Why do you go to your job? What's your purpose, right? You know, I think when, I don't know, Sterling, for you, when we had kids, our why and our purpose got clear real quick, right? right? So my big why is to provide 300 years of generational wealth for my family. It's a huge lofty goal. In the back of my mind, there's no way I'm going to make that, right? But it helps me get creative to try to make it happen. So know your why. Figure it out. There's a, I forget who put this together, but seven levels deep of why do you get up and go to work, right? The answer can't be money initially. It's going to be money later, right? But it can't be money. And you ask yourself that question seven different times. For me, I think it was like 12 before you have this aha moment of, okay, here's why, right? So why do you get up and go to work? Well, so I can provide for my family. Okay, why do you want to provide for your family? Because that's just what guys do, right? Why do guys do that? You know, you get to this point and you keep going in that cycle to you're like, ah, this is why. So first you do that, you find the motivation, right? Second thing is once you find that motivation, then you've got to find the courage to take action, right? I've talked to so many people who have these, all these great plans. They spend their time putting these plans together. They put these storyboards together of what they want to do for the year. And I'm like, all right, what's your next step? Like, well, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. At this point in time, man, just grab a dart, throw it wherever it lands, just go, just take some action. So, so number one, find your why. Number two, find the courage to take some action and realize that it's not going to be perfect. You're going to screw up. But if you take action to, to do it like Sterling and I have, then you're going to get, you're going to make progress. I had coffee with a guy yesterday morning. He, he'd listened to my podcast and, and uh, he works with my mom. He was interested in getting started and man, he'd been doing all his research for so long and he just wanted to sit down and have coffee and pick my brain. And he showed me this deal that he was thinking about doing. And it was a, it was a three, one, you know, $90,000 property that rented for, you know, needed about five grand to reno and rented for a thousand bucks. You know, then, but it also had flood insurance in there. So the numbers were tight on cash flow, but I mean, it was still, it was a decent deal. You know, you might yeah. have cash flow at a hundred bucks. So I was like, do it, just do it. Like 
you're not going to lose a ton of money. You know what I'm saying? It's not a weed stock that's going to go to zero. There's an, yeah. intri- <laughs> there, there, there's an intrinsic value associated with real estate. Even if you lose money, what you'll walk away from in experience and, and knowledge yeah. and just confidence, it'll be well yeah. Like just get started. Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because on our Tuesday night call, there's a guy, he hasn't bought, he's bought some single families and stuff like that, but he wants to step it up. And he's, he's been looking at this six unit and this 10 unit property that's been on the market for a while. And he was like, you know, I want to make an offer, but I'm, I'm just nervous to s- submit an LOI and whatnot. And we we're like, all right, where do you need to come in at a price standpoint to make an offer? He goes about 65% of what the asking is do that. it. <laughs> yeah. Guess what your challenge is between now and the next time you join a call? And he was like, oh, man. And I was like, no, this is what you got. And, you know, and, and I personally interview everybody who um, wants to join the mastermind. Talked to a guy yesterday morning as well. He was trying to – he wasn't trying. He was telling me that he had tried to wholesale a property like a year and a half ago. And since then, he's just been doing research. And I was like – yeah, you definitely need to get in here because <laughs> you're not going to be able to sit on the sidelines when you come in. Right. Uh, if you're looking for people to push you, you'll definitely get that, right? Awesome. So it's it's just just take action. Doesn't matter what it is. Just <laughs> yeah. yeah. For some people, it's just going and having coffee with with you, right? Yeah. And that's the next step. But yeah, find your why and then find the courage to take some action. Doesn't matter what it is. Awesome. So last little radio round we got to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. Three questions. What's your favorite book? Man, that is a hard one. So part of our mastermind, we do a book club. So we go through about a book a month. And so me leading it, I try to do two or three (laughs) just to stay ahead of the page. So I consume a lot. I would say the most recent favorite book is The Behavioral Investor by Daniel Crosby. Okay. I have not heard of that. I'm going to have to check it yeah, out. Yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. I'll, I'll go with that one because everybody says Rich Dad Poor Dad. But. I, I, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your favorite quote? Oh, man. I mean, is it going to be corny if it, if I use my own, own slogan? No, go ahead. So earn, invest, repeat. Awesome. It's as simple as that, right? So and somebody asked me, well, what happens when you get out of the W-2? I was like, well, how are you able to get that W-2? And they're like, because I've got so many rental properties. Are those rental properties not earning you money? Like, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah. So it's it's the cycle. It's just you change out the engine in the vehicle, right? Absolutely. For most of us, this is W-2. Awesome. So what's your favorite thing to do when you're not working? Spend time with my kids. They make me feel like a kid again, you know. And one of the things I started doing this year is making sure I get that one-on-one time with my kids. And, you know, take an afternoon or take a couple hours, grab my son, go do something guy stuff as he refers to it. Yeah. My youngest daughter, she's a little too, she's attached to mama right now. So she's not going to spend time with me or, you know, other than right. she's just going to cry for mom, but, but take my two year old and go do some stuff. You know, it's really is all about them. You know, this last Sunday, my son and I, we, we went to um, one of the karate places up here got to meet a UFC fighter. He was there showing some stuff and they did a self-defense class for the kids. And after that, he's kind of into Spider-Man and all the superheroes. Now we went to a comic book store, grabbed a comic book and on our way home, he just out of nowhere, he goes, daddy, I had a blast. And I was like, awesome. 
was well worth it, you know, to, to do that. So yeah, spending time with the family. Awesome. Well, Jay, I really appreciate you coming on today. I think we had a great show. We covered a lot of topics. It was, it was, it was awesome to be able to talk to somebody in a similar situation, kind of going through the same day-to-day balancing act as I am. You want to tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah, you can find out more about the W2 Capitalist simply at w2capitalist.com or you can email me at j at w2capitalist.com. And then I'm also on social media, any of the social media sites. I don't do as much on Twitter, mainly Facebook, because that's where our group is at W2 Capitalist. Yep. Awesome, Jay. We will definitely be following you. Thanks again. Thanks, Sterling. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at rentrollradio.com or sterling at crestworthcapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing.